and welcome to Here in L.A. Special Rock and Roll Edition. Since the 4th of July, when this podcast debuted, we've put out 24 episodes. For the 25th, we'd like to treat you with this musical special, where I chat with my friends, the brothers Steve, who have a new record that just came out, and it's called Dose. Funny thing about my friends, we totally love each other, but a ton of them are married, there's kids, they got fancy jobs, podcasts, and when we sit around, we don't always ask in-depth details about the records that these great musicians make. For sure, it's rare when we all do it together. Sometimes I'll see these guys get interviewed by magazines or a website, and I gotta admit, I get a little jealous and say, why haven't I grilled these guys? I know their music way better than probably anybody. So, gather around as we discuss and celebrate Brother Steve's second album, where naturally we digress into talking about Rolling Stones, replacements, Def Leppard, and hand claps. Sit back and enjoy. We're here with the brother Steve. We are. That's us. This is Jeff from the brother Steve. This is Coulter from the brother Steve. You're not Steve in the brother Steve? In fact, there are no Steves in the brother Steve. I'm Coulter. I'm Dylan, as we all know. I know you. (laughs) (laughs) We got another Steve in here. Oh, yeah, this is Oz from the brother Steve. It's Oz Steve. Yeah. Ah, welcome. Well, first of all, congratulations, all you Steves. This is uh, a beautiful record. Thank you, Tony. Very well produced. Very well sung, very well drummed, very well played. I hear Dylan just stealing my heart away from me. Oh, bless your boots. And Jeff and Oz, you two, on these liner notes, it says that you wrote these songs together. Yeah, that's right. That's That's true. (laughs) This is Jeff and the Brother Steve. Yes, that's true. That's what it says. Not only is it true that the liner notes say that, but it's also actually true. It's wonderful songwriting. And um, shall we start with the first song? Sure. Get on up. Get on up. Get on up. Get on up now. Get on up and watch some sex. So get on up. Yes. How did you guys write this song? I mean, I know this is a question that everybody asks everybody, but this is such a special song, especially to me. It's such a happy song. Um, it's funny. Jeff, you're back there. With it, was the a, it was an era of our lives where, where we were we were tending to stay up quite late and then go to sleep, maybe as the sun was coming up, maybe after, and then oh. and then you would go, uh, you'd find yourself waking up about the time that the, the sun was setting. So we figured we should we should write a song that, that uh, incorporated that, that captured that notion. Get, get on up and watch the sunset. Yeah. 
Live that way, Tony, where you wake up and it's getting dark. Yes. And sometimes that makes you feel really sad inside. But sometimes yes. it can yeah. be really uplifting and wonderful. But then depending on what else is going on, you, it can be like, this is this is how you do it. Yeah. And Maybe not for very long, but for a little while, a little era, you can be like, this is this is the way to do it. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a dark way to live and it, it's probably not good for your soul. But if you're like, like in a self-destructive kind of spiral, it's, it's got its charm. I did not know that that was where all those lyrics came from on that song. And I'm glad I asked that very incredible. silly question. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Were you guys writing it together? Did you, did you fax uh, chord progressions to one another? Did you write it together in the same room? Do you remember? Yes. This specific song? The first yeah. song? Get on up. Yeah, we were in the same room together. Well, I was like in the kitchen, and you were in like the, so the, like the, the dining area next to the kitchen. Yeah. Is that the same room? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> there was no, no wall. Not. There was no wall between us. What were you making? Uh, well, it was. I remember. At, I remember. Oz said, "If you're gonna keep meat, keep it in the cabinet," which was like not, really like yeah. went right to. But he when he went cabinet, and it was really great. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and we were just kind of riffing yeah. on, on on just kind of ideas. And I think it was around that point we had a roommate that, you know, these people that they uh, they put stuff in the sink that then you have to take out of the sink and throw away later. Yeah, and wives as well. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, like, like, it's like, oh, this tea bag, let's put it in the sink. Uh-huh. <laughs> someone will take that out for because me Because someone will pick it up and put it in the trash <laughs> later when it's even more soggy. Yeah. So we worked on that a little bit. We worked on a concept there. And then, uh, and then the next thing you know, we had the song. That's how I remember it, truly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did it take a short period of time, or was it a long, extended time? Uh, one, one session. Yeah. Wow. Boom. Lightning. Wow. I mean, we had to get our old sawhorse to the scene of the crime. There's no... Another great line. It was super easy, super... I don't remember having any kind of, like, struggle. I think... In Oz, you might remember it differently, but I feel like when we would write then, we would write the whole song right away. There Start was not a lot of, like, going yeah. back and editing it and stuff, right? True. Yeah. There were times where we would write a lyric and say, well, that'll be a nice placekeeper until we write the real lyric. And then I don't think we've ever you never go back and written the it. real yeah. lyrics. Yeah. And so that's how you get these creative lines. I guess. It's because you're not, you're not putting a lot of focus on it or a lot of pressure on it. You're just saying it to say it to get onto the next line. Yeah. Which creates creativity. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's some of that. It, there's some regret, too. There's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different feelings that, you know, however you write a song, you look back on it or you deal with it in ways that give you joy, that give you shame, that give you kind of like a sense of, of wonder about where it came from or, or how you were able to do it and why you can't do it all the time. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. That's like anything yeah. in life. Good question. I don't feel Steve, or, I mean, uh, Coulter has any regrets when he uh, rocks out. Oh man, I'm so chock full of regrets. About fills and stuff? Like like drumming regrets? Oh, no. But I have a lot of regrets. No, I know, but I, I'm, 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 this is a sincere, this is Jeff from The Brother Steve. Um, do you have like, oh, I should have gone to the ride there kind of regrets? <laughs> uh, no, I do occasionally when I do listen to stuff that I played on a long time ago, I'll go like, oh, that's weird. Or like, oh, I don't remember doing that. Sometimes I'm like, that's awesome. I yeah. don't remember doing uh, that. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, eh. <laughs> That's not great. But I don't know if it's a regret. It's just how I'm responding in the moment because maybe next time I listen to it in a year, I'll go, that's awesome. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Speaking of Motley Crue, no cowbell on number two. On Dose. 
Yeah. Um, the, the first Brother Steve album is called Number One. There is, there is, there is no ca- wait, hang on. Is there no cowbell on those? I feel like it's heavily implied. <laughs> implied it cowbell. is implied. It definitely is implied. There's far more hand claps. Now, I suspect the hand claps are coming from you two. The hand claps? For all, all, all the Steves are hand clapping? Oh, yeah, we all clap. Yeah. No Steves in the band. You use it sarcastically, though. Sometimes. Okay. What? Tony, this might shock you, but I also use the cowbell sarcastically as well. <laughs> what? Sometimes. That's the thing. It's always sometimes with Jeff in particular. He loves it so sincerely that to fully use them with the full force of his feeling for it would be unsustainable. So he must use it sarcastically, right? In, in some instances, I think it's that special a thing that the magic of the hand clap, the pattern, the sound, and the way it takes a song that's like, it's a great song, it's good, it's great. And you put some claps in there, man, the right claps, and you switch the pattern up on the second verse or in the chorus, and it's like, this is alchemy. This is, you know what I mean? Recipe for magic. It's, I mean, hand claps, I mean, it's, it's like it's one step over the line, it becomes funny or whatever, but then right in the pocket. It's something that's done to, to signal what kind of music you're making, and you can play with it within that. I always feel like some kind of, not sadness necessarily, but like when a song doesn't want hand claps. Right. You know? It you won't sh- let them, yeah. It won't you let still them try it, no. and then you go, nah, it's better without the hand claps. That's, you a, lonely, don't go, that's a lonely moment. Yeah, you never yeah. go like, yeah, it's better without hand claps. You go like, nah, I guess it's... It impugns the character yeah. of the song in some way. For those of you listening at home, we are in... Does this studio have a name? Yeah, it goes by The Muse Lighthouse. We're in The Muse Lighthouse. And it's a beautiful day. It is. Uh, there's a giant sliding glass door that's open. Two of the Steves are on a couch. The other two are on hard chairs. Very hard. Was it recorded here? Yes, everything was. Entirely. Daytime, nighttime. Yes, whatever time was the right time. I recently read a book about Van Halen. Yeah. And their first four records. Ted Templeman wrote a great book about yeah. their first four records. And then Eddie Van Halen made his own studio. Okay. And Ted said that the problem with home studios is he feels like you need a deadline. Right. If you don't have a deadline, you'll just tweak, 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 tweak forever. Yeah. And it's never finished. He's right. Oh, really? Yes. For but sure. this is a home studio. It is. And you guys got the record out. Yeah, but I, I, only because it was we, we had pushed the deadline back and turned it in late and everything. I still would be working on it. Absolutely guarantee you I would still be working on it. When, when you hear these songs, yeah, you say to yourself... Ah, damn. There are a lot of things where you go, oh, we should have done an ooh there. That would have been nice or whatever. But at some point, you know, I had a stepfather. My mom used to get married a lot, and I hope she's done doing that. But she would marry guys, and they had different gimmicks or whatever. <laughs> and this guy, the guy I'm talking about, he was he was like an aerospace engineer. And he would talk about at his company, there was a guy or lady, I don't know, but they would go around. Their whole job was to tell people they were done with whatever they were working on because these engineers would just keep working and working and trying to keep making it better, better, better. He'd just go like, ah, yeah, you're done. And then go, oh, what are you doing? Yeah, you're done. And I think that's a very natural thing for people when they're working on something is just to keep working on it till someone tells them they're done. Yeah. And, and I feel like we're all journalists. That's the beauty of the deadline. Yeah. You know... I'd love to write this all day. I'd love to make one more phone call, talk to one other person. But not now, later. But the paper's got to come out. There's a certain sterility to, the, to that over-editing, too. You can hear when things are too highly polished or over-machined. Amen, brother. Yeah. yeah. 
I was listening this morning to the Rolling Stones song Dandelion. Who knows that song? Dandelion, don't tell no yeah, lies. Yeah. Dandelion will make you wise. This is like it's 60s. like sixty-seven ish. Yeah, yeah. And uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney sing backup on that song. And <laughs> did they rehearse? No. <laughs> did they play it back before they went home? I don't think so. They're singing these. It's all out of tune. They're never finishing at the same moment. You you can't imagine anybody saying like, that was great, blokes. We've got it. (laughs) But at the same time, it's so alive and it's so interesting. Knowing when that's bad and when that's alive, the difference between those are are sometimes hard to tell. Yeah, it's the the eternal quandary. You got to do the work. It's got to be tight and right, but it absolutely must be spontaneous. Well, like we were, you and I, and this is Jeff from the Brother Steve talking to Dylan right now of uh-huh. the Brother Steve. Uh, we were talking about the beginning of Ruby Tuesday, right? And it was, she would never say where she came from, <laughs> right? Yeah. And like that's it's incredibly, that's, it's uh, eternally good. that. And when Mick turns it on, or he's in the store and he hears it, or whatever, right? Does he feel that that regret? First of all, Mick Jagger is a singular singer. Like he's doing that kind of shit. In almost every song, he's doing something that if you look at it, it's it's absurd. Like, are you joking? Well, that's because they're a rock and roll band. I've been listening to the first Replacements record a lot. Sorry, Ma, forgot to take out the trash, which is a very young, quickly recorded, sloppy punk rock record. For me, it is such a relief to listen to it because it just sounds like four dudes bleeding and sweating. It's why you don't listen to Hysteria as much as you listen to On Through the Night. <laughs> Nobody listens to On Through the Night at on all. On Through the Night is possibly their best album cover. Oh, Rock Brigade? Album cover. <laughs> <laughs> Rock Brigade? Rock Brigade's the first song, and then the album is terrible from then But on. you gotta put on On Through the Night to hear Rock Brigade. <laughs> all right, I know you boys love games, so I've got a pop quiz for you. Mm-hmm. No, Alicia Keys, Jennifer Aniston, mm-hmm. Lisa Marie Presley, mm-hmm. And Kelly Rollins from Destiny's Child. Okay, some Clive Davis. I think Davis. I got it. I think I got Clive it. Davis. They, they, they all love the great taste of cinnamon toast crunch. That's a better answer. <laughs> Who doesn't though? It's it's made with whole grains and it's got a lot less sugar than you might think. When Coulter first told me about like what was going on food wise at his house, I mean, I was so jealous. And this as an adult about well, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but it was just like just candy <laughs> and chips, bowls of and, cereal, like just like apparently. just like that, right? In my memory, my mom would just put a bowl of sugar in front of me with a spoon. All right, so the I, lim- I don't want to besmirch my parents here, so I, I want you to understand that my my memories of this time may not be that clear because I was so chock full of sugar all the time <laughs> that like I, w- I was just high as a kite. So I have no idea if they actually fed me all that sugar or not. Okay, Jennifer like Aniston, it. Alicia Keys, oh, yeah. Kelly Rowland, powerful, amazing women, and Lisa Marie Presley. Something what do common? they have in common? All Aquariuses. Oh, oh, getting to this. Nice. This is good. That's well That was really well played. Great. Okay. Tony, that was nice. I, I was like going to go with the, the real last name is Mrs. Rosenbaum. <laughs> <laughs> why, why don't you edit that in there? You're my next Aquarius Riding high in the brilliant sky Of the billion sun 
Where did this song come from? Is all I'm trying to get to. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this, because you know about Zodiac stuff, right? A little bit, yeah. Okay. I only did it to try to kiss girls. Oh, okay. How'd it go? Pretty damn good. Well, okay, it, I think that, like, the Aquarius is the water bearer, right? A very yes. beautiful young man or woman yes. that has this big jug of water, which I understand these are ideas that this person pours over the earth. Is that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, they're, they're, they're there to serve whatever they got. Now, what's interesting, when Dylan over here said that when you finish an album, you feel melancholy, the Aquarius, after they've produced something, they also feel kind of sad. So after they've poured that water out, whatever it is, they usually feel really super depressed. So when we lived with an Aquarius and he would finish a painting or a song, I'd always get high with him because I knew he was about to crash. Hmm. I didn't know that. Wow. Perception. Sweet Marie, you're the next Aquarius. If it's true, I don't know if any of this crap Very is generous true. roommate. Well, I, yeah. I do what I can. Now, with my Sagittarius uh, other roommate, yeah. totally different story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know these Sagittarius. Well, but we're talking about Aquariuses, though. Yeah. And so is that what you're talking about? Is that this water bearer and the earth? So it's just talking about maybe a, a person who's like going through different ages of Aquaria uh, is seeking to feed some sort of kind of end to their searching. Wow. I did, I did not really. That's what I'd say. I just thought it was a groovy song, man. So are you into astrology all of a sudden? God, no. <laughs> Tony, I got to say, dude, mm -hmm. first of all, it, it's touching your perceptiveness. I, I don't know if Jeff can enlighten or Oz can enlighten more next Aquarius, but I mean, it's next Aquarius. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'm always looking for my next song, my next thing. Because ah. that's when it's going on is when you're happy. I love that. I'm going to steal that. Is that cool? Yes, please. I am so glad that we have put this to rest. And I got to say, Dylan, I love hearing you in these mixes. Me too. I That's do. one of my favorite things. And I, 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 think, I think I left an email about that. Yeah, you, you uh, <laughs> left you an email about that. You left it on my front door. <laughs> We're laughing because Jeff does not use the internet. I do. When did this happen? You know when it happened? It, it happened when I was going to... Rec going to record uh, my <laughs> solo record what? and uh, Linus of Hollywood it was set to produce and he's like alright send me the demos of the songs we're going to be recording and I'm like well I, I'll, I'll mail them to you and he's like what <laughs> and he's like I, oh, hold on what year was this uh, 2016 okay Cubs are about to win the World Series and you still don't have a computer not at that time no I have one now that's beautiful. And he, he, he didn't seem too stoked about it. And I could tell that, like, the idea that we were going to do all this and, like, mail each other things was not charming what he wanted to do. <laughs> so I figured it out. Now, I don't like the Internet. I blame it for a lot of things. It doesn't make the world a better place, but it makes it easier for you to send your demos to the producer. Uh, okay. In, we're going to finish up with uh, this Aquarius song. Oh, good. That's the second song. Are we going track by track? <laughs> That's okay. Do I, to, do I need to make reservations for the night? You do. Uh, who did the guitar solo on Aquarius? I did. It is fantastic. Thank you. Did you know it was fantastic when you made it? No, you know, and I, I did it at home. And I did it as a placekeeper. And then that solo. Yeah. And I brought it in and I said, we'll do something like this. And Oz said, no, that's it. We'll just keep that. Right. Oh, yeah. This, this is a backhanded compliment. Thank you. It was so great. I didn't think it was you. <laughs> I thought it was Dylan. 
He's good, Dan. I would I would have thought so too. But, but he's not solo. that good. But it, but <laughs> I'll tell you this: when I heard it first, the first time I heard it, I wished I had forgotten that I had done it. And it's great to know that maybe fuck it, maybe everything should just be placeholders. Maybe Brother Steve number three should just be the placeholder album, because those seem to be working. Just nothing but placeholders. <laughs> All right. Track number three. No, actually, <laughs> did you did you really queue up uh, the CD over there? I did. I pride myself in not having notes, and now I'm regretting that. I need to talk to this man, Mr. Coulter. Boy, oh boy. Mr. Coulter, yes. I don't know who I'm going to uh, offend with this. Oh, good God. Jeez, I hope it's not me. clapped and everything. But you're my favorite drummer. Oh, Tony, that's the kindest thing you And you've been my favorite drummer for a very long time. I I I agree. I agree. You agree that I'm Tony's favorite drummer? I don't know about Tony. <laughs> Absolutely. I don't know. I don't know about Tony. <laughs> but yeah. The reason that that I love you so much is you do embody all those things that you were talking about. You got the replacements on there. You got Kiss on there. You know, I'll tell you this, Tony. Like I've been playing with these guys in various formations for a long time now. There's a certain sort of shorthand and language that gets developed over the course of time. Like, you know, not always 100% do I knock it out of the park, but I, I know how to play a Jeff Whalen song. You know he what does. I mean? He does. true. And I think the way we recorded it and the length of time that it took and the way we had to address it because of the era that we were in, it wasn't easy just to jump in a room and be a rock band. I mean, in a lot of cases, you're actually hearing me. I'm going to make up a number because I'm not sure it varies from song to song, but you're actually hearing me learn the song. For the first album, we learned it all in rehearsal and we, we went in and recorded it as fast as possible, as live as possible. And for this album, you know, when we first started, especially you couldn't go rent a rehearsal room. You, you know, you couldn't do that. And we couldn't all five of us be in. The, hmm. So it was like done by, I would mail everybody the songs. <laughs> <laughs> But, and we microwave, you know, wipe it down, <laughs> wipe it down. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so it was, it was approached as a recording project, as an album that was recorded, as opposed to we were recording songs that we knew live or we knew as a band. Interesting. Let's go to a uh, sugar track Fork. four. Let's go to, no, because <laughs> no, we ain't got time for all the tracks. Oh, we don't even do tracks. There you go. We're going straight to sugar Fork. All right. Well, honey's sweet and candy's good, but it's not as nice as my sugar foot, my sugar foot. And memories just drift away, and every day's a sugar foot day, my sugar foot. Time is gone, but you must know I need you still. Sugarfoot, 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 I love ya. Sugarfoot, 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 I need ya. Oh, you're so edible, you're incredible, my sugarfoot foot. So you just, this was in a gatefold you saw? That's right. A gentleman named Sugarfoot. Yeah. And you decided to write a song. You gotta write a song called Who Sugarfoot. Who started the song? Do you remember? Was it I think, you? I, I think I did. But okay, it was you. And did that first line come out as the first line? Sugar sweet? No, honey sweet. Honey sweet. <laughs> and candy's good. Yeah. It was supposed to be kind of like a bubble gummy thing. It is as a bubble is. gummy thing.
has his everybody has their own thing that they like about the stuff that they've done but i would say as an oz fan this is my favorite thing that oz has has put out and oh, thank you jeff that's and nice. I, that's nice to hear oz, oh. oz kills it and i would say yes. i will say that my favorite song on the album is mrs rosenbaum and yes. like i have not had a bad listen to that where i regret <laughs> anything absolutely it's 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 a fantasy world that never really existed. That is another thing like that must be said, I think, about Oz. Yeah. yeah. He brought this thing from Owensboro, Kentucky that isn't from Owensboro, Kentucky. It's it's from something we don't know, but yeah. it's this weird genteel Yes uh, American aristocratic That's right. Old timey mahogany ash haberdasher that brings a, a timeless magic to things. It's a you little don't... something that came from nothing and will return to nothing. But do you we agree, hope. Oz? That it, is it a, is it a more of a southern uh, thing? It's not a western thing. It's got a southern element to it, sure. It's yeah. a southern gothic, though, yo. Yeah, totally. Southern that. gothic. I would actually say that if I was going to put Mrs. Rosenbaum on a playlist, and this I think is has to do with my view of Oz's approach to songwriting in general, is I've always gotten a very distinct Nilsson vibe. Yeah. That's where I place it okay. in my head, and that's me just saying, as a fan of the song and as a fan of Oz's songwriting. Why 
observatory. Yes. Yeah. Our favorite observatory. Sure. Absolutely. But that is my favorite observatory and my favorite park. So, what's the line that rhymes with Griffith Park on this song? Sometimes it's spark. I started a spark. Started a spark. Started a spark. At Griffith Park. Okay. At first, that's super romantic, but there's also been fires in Griffith Park. Yeah, that's an element to what's going on there. Yeah. Like bad fires. Yeah. You were thinking about that? Well, it's interesting because I think this is an example of where what I think the song is about is different than what Oz thinks the song is about. I would say this is about a girl who starts a fire in Griffith Park and disappears, but I don't think Oz thinks that's in that. No, I don't. But but it doesn't mean it isn't true. The spark is the um, the spark of a love, a relationship with the, this guy and the girl he's singing to. He met he met her in Griffith Park, or at least saw her there and fell in love with her, and has a, a very deep relationship, strong relationship with her that she may or may not be involved with at all. And then she goes on to be famous in movies, or at least this guy thinks that she's gone on to be famous in movies, but all that may not be right. But it's got like that Nights on Broadway kind of thing. It's like a person obsessed with someone who's in show business. Yeah. And you're not yeah. sure if the relationship is more than just in his mind. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. track i want to talk about okay jeff whalen yeah what is your middle name christian there are no christian references in this album in fact what there's a lot of pagan references what no. what am i leading to us wizard of love Lot of stars there's a lot of moons then there's this wizard so what what of it where's jesus in the, you're named after the messiah and yet i'm reading about this wizard this wizard of love okay look the wizard of love and this is another one where i think it's about something different than oz thinks it's about definitely this isn't one of the ones where we wrote like separate lyrics and then combined them was it this was like we just you and i sat down and wrote the no, lyrics we just, just wrote straight yeah yeah i remember you didn't want to do a wizard song right Think. Because you already had a wizard. So. Rings a bell. No. Just, just, just seemed well, like it seemed. Uh, it was, it was, I think it was because it, it's the trauma it's dangerous of being, uh, being named Oz. Oh, I, I yeah. think. I don't know. Oh, I never thought of that. I didn't either. Dylan, did you think of this? No, no. Coulter? I wasn't even paying attention. Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> so I think you thought of this. What? You don't want an Oz with a wizard? No, no, no. He he told me. Huh. You don't remember? Because the kids used to tease you <laughs> with this name. 
No, it just it just seemed like it was just like why go there? on the nose? Why yeah, go there? I don't know. If if I had if I had to do it over again, thinking about it now and not remembering the past, which is absolutely accurate, I would say that you know wizards can put you into dangerous territory. I was listening to the satellite radio fifties channel, and they had like some group, the Orlons or something, had a song called Wizard of Love, right? And so, it, but it was like Wizard of Love. I don't remember how it goes. You're mocking it, yet you loved it. I'm not mocking it. I'm just like, that's how, I don't remember how is that Is that the same group that did the Chili's jingle? <laughs> maybe that is. They want the baby back. It's uh, also a Steve Martin book. <laughs> Wizard of This is 50s on fire. So me and Oz were trying to write a song a week. And so you had oh, to wow. come up. We had to come up with ideas. Ideas, people. Yes. Ideas. So I had heard that coming in to, over to his house, and I pitched it. And I remember it. You said, uh, what else you got? Yeah. And yeah. then I'm like, that's what I got. That was That's right. That was the, the era where we, we were doing, uh, you had to write and record a song the demo. in one yeah. night. In one wow. night. Yeah. yeah. And you got to like stick to it. And you got to do your best. And you got to like make sure that you don't do any kind of like, uh, I think we're close enough. No, you got to stay till it's done. How long were you successful doing this exercise? I think we did it like eight weeks. Together, you guys wrote eight songs yes. in eight weeks. Yes. And this is this is one. That's one of them. Griffith Observatory is another one of them. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Again, deadline, right? Oh, the totally. Deadline totally. totally. so much. Thank you, yeah, brother thank Steve. You. Hey. I hope we can make something out of this. Oh, yeah. All right, good. How fun was that? You know who else rocks our world in every way? Our Patreons, who are the cowbells of our lives. When you stoke us, you're saying, Tony, Jordan, here's a pack of strings. Here's a mic stand. Here's parking for the Elvis Costello show. Every buck that you hand over helps keep this insane project a-rolling. So shout out to our Patreons, Nancy Rommelman, Allie Miller, Sean Atlow, Matt Mills, Sean Wallace, Greg and Molly, George Wright, Mark Johnson, Kira Ann, Barney Grinke, Ben Welch, Henry Furman, and my second favorite drummer, only because I haven't heard him in a century, Jamie Taylor. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA and give to it hurts. Also, shout out to our Angelinos. To be an Angelino, all you got to do is pay pals 25 bucks and we'll list you on the Here in LA website forever. You'll also give, be given a number to denote how early you got in. For example, Angelino number one is Allie Miller. Number two, George Wright. Number three, Rita Joanne. Four is Jason Sutter, five is Grant Houghton, and six is Rob Baker. Want to hear your name at the end of next week's show? Go to patreon.com slash here in LA. Also, <laughs> uh, you still want to help this sloppy mess? But, you know, you're saving up for Black Friday. You can still help. Post your favorite episode on your Facebook. Jeff Whalen. 
need something nice about this. Uh, vanilla ice? Tell your friends. Tell them that Here in L.A. is spelled with an A, and it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Google. Here in L.A. is produced by myself, Tony Pierce, and the man who's in a few bands himself, Jordan Katz. Editing and mixing of this episode by Jordan Katz and a little help by the brother Steve. Special thanks to Cindy for creating the logo, Jen Adams for inspiring me in Mr. Oz's backyard, and for the missing brother, Jeff Solomon, who is currently awaiting trial for his part of the January 7th uprising at the Sacramento Capitol. There was a complete misunderstanding. Free Free Solomon! Solomon!